Hello and welcome to Bootstrap, the podcast for software bootstrappers. If you are running a software company or looking to start one, then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Steve McLeod. Today, I'm joined again by Craig Hewitt. Craig is the co-host of the Rogue Startups podcast, and he runs a podcast hosting and analytics platform called Castos or Castos. Hi, Craig. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Really good. Thanks. So uh, how have you been since we talked last week? What's been happening with Castos? Yeah, overall, uh, things have been going really well. We are very much knee deep in a bunch of kind of UI and onboarding improvements. So I think I mentioned in our last episode, we went from requiring credit card up front for the first like two years of the product to going to a no credit card trial process at the beginning of September. And it's going well, but we kind of know that like getting to that moment of value for customers really, really quickly now is more important than it was before because they can leave really easily and they're not like kind of on the hook for anything. So we know from a product perspective that we have to really nail that first, you know, two or three minutes of experience and they're doing a lot of development work to, to make that experience better, which is, you know, challenging and cool. It's definitely not my strong suit, but I know it's really important. Are you doing this yourself or you're getting some outside experts to help you? Yeah, like on the design and UI standpoint, I'm doing a fair amount of it. And we have uh, someone on our team, Eileen, who is like a design UX person. And so we're, we're kind of all doing it together. I've gotten a fair amount of input from a few other folks like Jane Portman along the way. She did like the initial design of our, our dashboard interface. So I, I think we're kind of like on a good path <laughs> there in terms of like general layout and stuff, but just making all these decisions easier for people that are just getting started. Have you started getting a flood of trial signups since you took away the credit card requirement? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we would get a couple, a handful a day, and now we're getting 20 a day sometimes. Wow, nice. Uh, yeah, I think it's a typical thing you see with like credit card, no credit card. The number of new paying customers we're getting is about the same, which is which is okay. You know, I think it's like, I feel like we have the potential to really like, escalate or like accelerate our growth with this because like a bunch more people are coming in and if we can deliver value really quickly, that's great. I feel like that's easier than getting a whole lot more people to, to start the trial process with the credit card. So we'll see. And now you've got them, you've got their emails. So you're able to send them a nice sequence of emails telling them all about Kestos, I assume. Yeah, it is kind of like one more level up the the marketing funnel kind of, right? Like they're on the yeah. site. It's easier for them to get engaged with you, like you're saying, through email. Even if they don't convert now, we can you know, keep, keep sending them helpful information and all this kind of stuff. And maybe they'll, they'll convert later. We'll come out with a feature later that they think is you know, worth switching for or something like that. Yeah. And really, the thing about it is like podcasting is the kind of thing that like, takes a fair amount of work to get started, as you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so like, we almost want to like, not have a time element to our trial. And that's, that's like the big long picture is like have wow. a usage limited free tier or usage mm -hmm. limited trial period, not a time limited trial period, like sign up your first three episodes are free, however long that takes you. And that just makes more sense, I think for, for like, yeah, 
where how podcasters work because some people in a day they're done and they're ready to get started so that works and some people like they need three months you know to, to sure, start an episode sure. so it doesn't make sense for us yeah. to ask them to pay if they're not ready yeah that's an interesting decision you've made uh my own process of getting started took three months with podcasting and i do remember that one product i tried for recording hindenburg i think it's called like just timed out on me the trial timed out before I got a chance to test it and I don't seem to be able to extend that trial. So mm. it seemed a bit yeah. pointless. What led you to do this uh, change for going away from credit card upfront? Was it advice you were given or it's just an idea you've had floating in your head? A little bit of both. We, we had people coming in and saying, you know, hey, I'm part of a big organization. We can't just get credit card to start a trial. And so that was like a barrier to us being able to engage with our, our potential customers. But But then also like we look at like, you know, we sign it for a bunch of SaaS products, just like you do, I'm sure. And like when I have to put credit card in to, to start a trial, I just like instantly am turned <laughs> off. It's like when there's no pricing on the pricing page, I'm like, I don't, I don't even care what the price yeah. is. Like if you can't put price yeah. on the pricing page or let me go see your thing without putting in my, my billing information, I'm, I'm out. So I feel like it's kind of how we should do it. We should have had this conversation a few weeks ago because we've also been <laughs> working on feature upvotes, onboarding emails and sign up process. And just this week, we've finally uh, started sending the email sequence to new people during the 30-day trial. And maybe we could have bounced ideas off each other. How are you managing those emails? Like what's the, you have like event triggers in the app or is it time-based or what? Event triggers and time-based. So for example, there's one email we send after five days but what email we send specifically depends on what they've done. If okay. someone has created their account but then done nothing, then we basically just remind them that the account's there waiting for them to get started. If they've already added a suggestion, so Feature Up Folks about collecting suggestions for feedback, if there's been at least one suggestion added to their Feature Up Vote forum, then we tell them, hey, why don't you invite your team members? Things work better if you've got more than you, just you working mm -hmm. on this. And if they've done both adding suggestions and they've invited people, then the email we send is a different one. And I can't even remember what it is, even though I've been working on it all week. <laughs> well, I actually haven't created the content. Hannah, our content person, has been working on that. I've been doing the technical side. And we're handling all this ourselves. So we've got fields in our database that we set when certain activities take place. Yeah. How many activity-based triggers do you have, just out of curiosity? I think we've just started with three. Uh, okay. I think it's just these ones I described, whether they've uh, actually done anything rather than other than just signing up and going away, whether they've actually added suggestions and whether they've got more than one person on their team mm. using mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, there might be one other one that I'm forgetting, but we tried to keep it very simple for now. We don't have the volume to justify having a more complicated system. And the more complicated you go, the easier it is for bugs to get in there or things that get out of date. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The reason I ask is we, we have a similar thing. I think we have four triggers that we have. And we were talking with one of the tiny seed mentors about this. Denise, our marketing kind of head of marketing, and I were on a call with some one of the tiny seed mentors. And we were talking about this and they said, okay, how much like data do you have around what's happening in your app right now? When like, if people get to this point, how successful are they and what's their LTV and stuff? And I was like, you, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like we can barely survive day to day. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't have analytics around activation and what, how that correlates to LTV. And, and I know that like tools like amplitude or mix panel make that a lot easier, but I was like, geez, that's, that's like 301 level stuff. Yeah. But Craig, I'm no expert on this, but I'd say with the level of activity you mentioned about 20 signups a day, I don't think you get enough clear data. You just see sure, randomness yeah. masquerading as the activity, uh, this data you can make activities on. If you had 10 or 100 times that, maybe that would be a really sensible thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's part of the trap you get in with talking to to some like of these industry experts. You know, you talk to Lars Lofgren or something and he starts, yeah, going off on this stuff that is <laughs> totally unrelatable to to most of us that are, you know, bootstrapping or, you know, whatever, we took a small amount of money, but we still basically operate like a bootstrap company. Yeah, you know, we're just not at the scale for any of that stuff. Well, I've even had to say no to A-B testing, even though I think it's a really good thing. I look at our, the amount of traffic we're getting and we don't have any single page on our website that's getting enough organic traffic to make A-B testing a really viable thing for us. And mm-hmm. it's very tempting to do, but then the decisions you're making just... I know from my statistics background, are just not good decisions. Yeah. Yep. And it's good. Like you said, it makes it easier. You just focus on getting more traffic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is exactly what we're trying to do. And uh, it's also a challenge just to keep focusing on that one thing rather than getting distracted by these other things. Yeah. Having yeah. said that, I think we really needed to improve our onboarding emails. It's been on my to-do list almost since the day we started. We launched Feature Upvote two and a half years ago. And I know Hannah has been really wanting to improve this. So I'm really pleased we finally got onto it. I think a good onboarding sequence maybe will improve our conversion, our trial conversion rate 10%. But again, yeah. we don't have enough data to really know. What kind of conversion rate do you guys get now? If you're comfortable sharing that. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think about 10% of our trial customers no, it must be more than 10%. I'd say 15% of our trial customers convert to paid customers. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah. I think it's because our, our SEO is very targeted. And mm. we have had the problem lately that as our, we're spreading our SEO a little bit wider, it does make our conversion rates drop, or at least our conversion rate of visitor to trial customer has been dropping. But that's because our content's becoming slightly less targeted. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dilemma. I'll have to show you. I happened upon this Google Sheets, and this is a huge tangent. I'm sorry, this is not uh, <laughs> this is not where you wanted to go <laughs> with this episode. But I, I ran across this Google Analytics extension for Google Sheets, where you can connect this and then say, "I want to run a report every day or every week or every month from Google Analytics and put it into a new row in a Google Sheet." And so we've started doing this, and and so we do. Um, unique visitors to the website. Um, and then we have goals set up for new trials and new paying customers in Google Analytics. And so we're able to run all of those every Monday automatically. It's cool because then I, I can stop looking at profit well every day. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? Every day or several times a day? Several times a day. Yeah. But it only updates <laughs> yeah. every like eight hours, I think. So it's just in futility. <laughs> <laughs> I know I shouldn't be looking at things like profit. Well, we use chat mogul. We shouldn't be looking at them all the time, but I just, it's that dopamine effect, right? Like checking your yeah. emails or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have to get that extension. Is that uh, a publicly available free Google Sheets extension? 
Yeah, totally. Yep. Okay, Just in Google Sheets, go to add-ons and yeah, it's right there. It's, it's really slick. Yeah. Okay. Hey, let's get onto the topic then. It's been a very interesting conversation. I think we could talk a whole episode about this, but let's move to the topic of podcasting a little bit meta or specifically how bootstrappers can use the podcasting universe to market their business. Now, Craig, surely this is an area of expertise for you. Yeah, I, I would like, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know a little bit of the Castos backstory, like your business is specifically podcast hosting. Why did you choose to run a business for podcasters and what got you into this podcasting world? Yeah, so I've come from the podcasting world for like four and a half years running Podcast Motor, which is a productized service where we do podcast editing and production and had the opportunity to purchase an existing WordPress plugin called Seriously Simple Podcasting, which allows you to manage your podcast feed and episodes from your WordPress site. And the creator of the plugin, Hugh Lashbrook, it was just a, a free plugin. It didn't have any paid extensions or anything to it. So, so we bought the plugin and its user base for a pretty small amount of money and then built the hosting platform to connect to it. So originally, it was only for WordPress users. So in your WordPress site, you can create a new post, upload your file, and the file goes to the Castos platform. And then you publish your post right from WordPress, and it's included in the RSS feed and then places like... Apple Podcasts and Spotify see that and update the new episode, you know, just like you do probably with with updating new episodes for this show. And then we we made it available now a year and a half ago, probably to where you can use Castos without WordPress. So we give you the option of doing it either way, where you can create and manage episodes and feeds from the Castos platform or from your WordPress site. Um, yeah, and so that's that's kind of how we got started with with Castos, and and it's been it's been a lot of fun. And it's cool because, I mean, it is really popular these days, right? Like podcasting yeah. is is just taking off, and, but for good reason, right? I mean, like you and I will sit here and talk for 45 minutes and then you'll ship this off to the audio editor and he'll create the, the audio to write up some show notes and your involvement to create a really good piece of content that furthers your brand and exposes you know, your, your business and what you're doing and your authority in the bootstrapping space. And it takes an hour of work, an hour and a half of work, maybe and like, you know, 30 bucks for an audio editor per episode or something. And then like, that's it, right? As opposed to like, if you're going to write this as a blog post, it would take me, it would take me like four hours, right? To write this as a blog post. Yeah. For so me, it just, would take two weeks of procrastination and then it wouldn't get done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun, right? Like we're sitting here kind of yeah shooting the shit and it's a lot of yeah. fun. And I think I think in especially in certain around certain topics podcasting just really fits. Like it, it's not surprising that like marketing and online business and entrepreneurship is so popular for podcasting cuz like one there's a lot of those people listening to podcasts so the audience is there. But two like the stuff we're talking about just fits in the audio medium better than it does in a blog post or in a YouTube video or something like that. So I think like aligning the the stuff you're talking about, the topic and the medium is really important. And for a lot of people and a lot of things they're talking about, podcasting is is like the best fit there. I think uh, a, a podcast episode also allows far more personality to shine through than a, a blog post. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Why did you actually start with podcasting? Was it something you were doing before you started Podcast Motors or you chose this as a strictly business decision, not coming from any background with podcasting or audio? 
Yeah. So my podcast came first. So I was a big podcast listener and really kind of like drank the Kool-Aid of lifestyle business podcast, the tropical MBA guys and startups for the rest of us and Pat Flynn and all these like, you know, wanted to go make money online and start online business and stuff. And, and so I started a podcast just interviewing people kind of in our world, Justin McGill and Dave Rodenbaugh, who's now my co-host was a guest on the podcast and pretty quickly saw like, this is a pain. <laughs> this is really difficult. All this audio editing and publishing and all this kind of stuff is really difficult. And that's where Podcast Motor came from. So that was kind of like my first business baby, but I kind like of it. born you, out of, yeah. So you started with your own podcast, Vogue Startups, and then you felt the pain points and thought you'd solve them for other people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's such a great way to do a business, you know, find actually something that's painful and fix it. Yeah. I think it's tough when you go looking for that because I think we all convince ourselves of these problems when they're not really there. But yeah, if you're, if you're lucky enough to see it firsthand and like the, the business like value proposition is really clear, then, then it gets quite a bit easier. I can think of uh, three different ways bootstrappers can use podcasting to market their product, each with different levels of time and money required. You've already talked about what it takes to do a, your own podcast which is like a, about an hour, an hour and a half a week plus some money to pay a editor. Or if you really want to save money, you can do it yourself, but that takes time and the, the hosting. But I, two others I could think of apart from that is you could be a guest on other people's podcasts from time to time, the so-called podcast circuit, when you've got a new feature to announce. Or you can also sponsor or advertise on other people's podcasts. Are there any others you can think of, Craig, a way in which bootstrappers can use podcasts? Yeah, I think those are I think those are the really big ones. So I mean, yeah, so so having your own podcast, uh guesting on other podcasts. Advertising is an interesting one um because I kind of associate that back to your podcast. Like it's an interesting way that people are now kind of growing their audiences to advertise on other kind of tangentially related podcasts. So I might almost put that as like a marketing approach if you're advertising just for your business, I think I think it, it can be pretty expensive. And, and for a lot of folks, the ROI for the advertiser, the ROI is is not super clear. I don't, for, for a lot of bootstrappers, I would put that as a maybe. Yeah. Uh, interesting. That was one of my initial marketing channels I was going to pursue with Feature Up for it was finding lots of podcasts to to sponsor. But then when I, I looked into it, yeah, I found that it was very hard to determine the return on investment. As you say, that people yeah. are saying, we think, we think we get value out of it, but unlike Google ads, we can't tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being a guest on other people's podcasts from time to time, the so-called podcast circuit, like, do you have any advice on how people can best do that? Yeah, I think that from a podcaster's perspective, like when we get pitched on someone who wants to come on our show, the, the most important thing is the alignment with the kind of content we want to create and what we think our audience gets value from. And so if you know that because you actually listen to the podcast and don't pretend that you do when you're cold emailed to someone, then then I think you'll have a really good chance. So like if you're actually a listener to this show and you want to come on and talk because you're a bootstrapper and you have your own SaaS product and you have a unique marketing channel that you have done and kind of proven successful that you don't think anybody else is talking about, then Steve, I'm sure like you would receive that email really well, right? But but like mm -hmm. somebody who comes just out of the blue with an obvious like template email, you're going to just delete the email. And so by I the way, those emails you're describing started coming from day one of me taking over this podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's cool too, right? Like it's kind of flattering for you, I'm sure. Yeah, although it's flattering, except like you say, it was clearly a template. Put in name of guest from past episode here, show that you haven't actually understood it at the podcast, what it's about at all, and then start telling me all about yourself. And yeah, I just delete those emails. But if it was somebody wrote to me and they clearly knew what the podcast was about, they're a listener, they knew the world, then I would interact with them. Yeah, I think to do it really well, you have to, you almost have to know the person. You know, if one of my friends from this online world came to me and said, hey, I'd love to come on your podcast to talk about this new product I'm launching. And and we can talk about this as a marketing channel or as a customer service, you know, tactic or something like that. And oh yeah, my product does the thing. That's great. You know, we had Shy on from Right Message and we talked all about, you know, website personalization and and lead capture and stuff like that. But it was really, you know, specifically about right message. But but he delivered a ton of value. And I think a lot of people got a lot out of it. And, or, you know, he might have gotten some business from it too. But everything was aligned, you know? So so if we're looking to, like, to guest on other people's podcasts, I think figuring that out, making sure it's super clear before you send any emails is good. So people often ask, you know, what value is there in going to conferences like MicroConf, et cetera, when you can more or less get the same content online. If you wait long enough, the videos get released or the people talking often, they already have blogs or books. And one value I get from things like microconf is the chance to meet people face-to-face to establish that friendship or camaraderie. So then it's much easier to say, hey, can I perhaps write a blog post for your blog or be on your podcast or something? It's that very thing you talk about, how you really only want people you know on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, just wait, Steve. Next time you go to uh, like to a conference, you're going to be inundated with people saying, "Oh, Steve, I listened to all your podcast episodes. <laughs> you were podcast uh, famous." Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Ten years ago, when yeah. I had a thriving blog, that happened. I would meet people at a conference, and they'd look at my name, and they'd say, "Oh, I think I read your blog." And I tell you what, I walked out of that conference feeling like so popular. And then I had to go back right? in the real world yeah. where nobody yeah. knew me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so on the topic of creating a podcast, to jump back a, a couple of steps, do you know of anybody who has successfully used a podcast that they create themselves to market their bootstrapped product from day one or from early days? Yeah, I think there's a lot of them. I think I think one of the ones that I listen to that that is really good and, and does this well is uh, The Art of Product. So Ben Orenstein and Derek Reimer, they both have created you know, businesses that I think they use their podcast primarily as a, like a personal and business branding tool. And yeah, I think, you know, if you listen to their podcast, they attribute a lot of the success of it to a lot of the success of their business to the podcast. And a lot of people hear about their products from the podcast. The other kind of really obvious one is startups for the rest of us. Rob launched Drip and had a lot of success of it, both through, like through the podcast, but, but like you mentioned, through the the connections he made in person at events that started from the podcast. So I think this, the podcast can be like the, the beginning of all that. And then you have to do the real in-person human work to, to network and yeah. make friends and deliver value and all that kind of stuff. But, but the podcast is a platform to open those conversations. Yeah. I look at uh, what Rob's achieved with Drip and et cetera. And I just start, he's done such a good job. It's almost like, did he have a master plan like 10, 15 years ago? And he's just managed to, 
build up the popularity of the podcast and microconf and then drip to get where he is today of tiny seed it's it's really i'm sure he hasn't had a master plan but he's just done such a great job all along there i'm really uh i don't know if i'm envious or impressed or a bit of both about his ability to do that yeah i mean i, I know him pretty well at this point you know like being a part of tiny seed he is an incredibly thoughtful intentional guy and so it's it's definitely not chance right that he's been okay. successful and he just spends a lot of time like being intentional and strategic about all this stuff i think yeah and that's a good lesson for us all probably yeah yeah uh, something i've learned from watching rob from a distance is his ability just to keep turning up and that is something for anyone thinking about starting a podcast it's really easy to create three episodes and then think Oh, this is too much work and stop. But the people who turn up every week or every month, whatever their routine is, and record an episode, no matter what, making sure they get it done, they get it edited, they get it released on, on schedule. I think that's a really critical piece of advice, at least the way I see it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the key things we coach our podcast motor customers and our, and our Castos customers on is figure out what your schedule is going to be weekly, every other week, whatever it is, and stick with that. And if you can't let your audience know, hey, look, we're just going to go back to once a month or every other week from weekly or whatever and set that expectation and be clear with them uh, so they don't think you flaked out. Because if they think you flaked out, they're going to go listen to someone else's show. You know, I was just going to ask if you uh, see uh, with your own customers, whether you see a lot of them drop off quite quickly after a few episodes or whether people mostly manage to stick at the podcast through the early days as they're building up an audience. I'll say it's the biggest reason we have customers churn in both businesses. Yeah. Is that they just stop podcasting, you know, on, on podcast motor, very few people say you guys don't do a good job, <laughs> you know, and on the mm -hmm. Casto side, the same, but people do say like, I just stopped the podcast or it never got started. You know, I paid for a month or two and then just never got started. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, blogging services or blogging platforms would see the same thing. Uh, I guess it's not really too much you can do about this. No. No, I mean, because we can't do the work for them, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about taking over this show and like kind of where it came from and what that experience has been like so far. Okay. It's a good question. And actually, before we did this episode, I was actually asking myself, why exactly am I, did I take over this podcast, the Bootstrap podcast? And I couldn't think of one clear single reason. It's a hobby. I like to find things to do other than coding. It's an excuse to ask interesting people questions about themselves and their businesses. It's a chance to improve my ability to think on the spot and give sensible answers. Although I have to say that we cheat with podcasts. <laughs> Sometimes we're fumbling answers, but the editor, at least the editor I'm using, does a great job of cleaning things up so it looks like we're coming up on the spot with always the right answers. Finally... I think this is a minor reason, but it's a chance to bring awareness of my product feature upvote to more people. But I'm not really sure there's a, a strong crossover between our target audience and the listeners. There's a little bit of mm. crossover. The experience of actually doing it, hey, I was really scared, maybe it's too strong a word, but I was not having confidence before I made my first episode that I could do this. And it took me a while. And then at one point, I realized I was actually using the birth of my daughter as an excuse. It's like, well, I know I want to start the podcast again, but I'm too busy as a new father. Yeah. And then one day I just told myself, that's just an excuse. Just do it. And yeah. I found somebody interesting to talk to. That was Sylvester DuPont from Pasteur. 
and the conversation went really well. It flowed easily. He was keen to be involved. And I realized that I think I can do this. And I got the courage to actually tell people, you know, to put it on Twitter and other places. And I got some really nice feedback straight away. Within a, a couple of hours, I started getting emails from friends and acquaintances giving me positive feedback. So I thought, yeah, I can do this and I will do this. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think it's a it's a great opportunity to take over an existing show. You know, it has an identity and you can change the identity, but I think you're you're really wanting to keep it the same because the reasons you mentioned of why you you took it over and why you're enjoying it seem to be in alignment with what what those guys uh, kind of put into place when they started the show and the community. And I think your reasons are, are really sound. You might discount the impact it has on the business a little. I, I think as the podcast grows and your ability to weave the lessons you're learning from the business into the, the story of the podcast, you, you might see a bigger impact directly there. Well, that would be nice. As we mentioned earlier, it's very hard to ascribe customers to having come from a podcast. So it's just one of those things, hopefully we'll just notice that the numbers are getting higher of yeah. our sign up customs. Okay, Craig, that's all we have time for today. Listeners, if you'd like to discuss more about today's topics, please go to our forum at bootstrapped.fm and join the conversation. Bye, Craig. Bye. Thanks, Steve. Bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Until next episode, goodbye.